for you to do your, your, your supernatural work in us, preparing our hearts that we are encountering a king. Um, hopefully doing work in the hearts of men and women in here who are singing. And while we're singing, we're confessing sin. We're, we're experiencing forgiveness. We're experiencing a passion for repentance. We're experiencing mercy and grace. I pray in my own life, I've been enjoying being washed anew by my great Savior. And I ask that you would be doing that work now, that no one will be hindered by, by the, the proclamation of the word of God and what you are doing. We ask, Lord, that you would allow this to be a, <clears throat> a holy moment where we would be filled with your spirit and walking in your ways. And those who don't know you, Lord, they will, um, they're playing games or whatever they know in their hearts, that you will build conviction uh, to be connected, to be reconciled with their God. Would you do that, Jesus? You're worthy of our lives. We love you. Would you speak through me? Um, use this time to encourage the saints of the blessing of what they've given my family these last few months. Pray we can laugh and have fun and enjoy you. In Christ's name, amen. Praise God, family. Be seated, please. Uh, the young people are staying with us uh, today. That's what's going on. And I um, have the joy of being able to share a little bit about uh, my time away. But before I do that, I want to bring one quick reminder. Um, uh, I think it goes without saying, but just so I remember, I know I was um, praying and I saw my brother Charles and it just reminded me that we need to be praying for Tamara. So just be lifting Tamara up, guys, as she's continually um, experiencing healing. So just want to make sure that and, and um, keep that before us as the people of God. Um, Funny story, you know, it's funny, like, so I've been, you know, I've been gone since January, and now um, we're back. Uh, we're not, I'm not as boisterous as, as Stephen Curry was when he hit the shot and uh, saying he was back. If you're a base, basketball fan, you get that. If not, you don't know what I'm talking about. But, um, but um, if you need Bibles, Pastor Leon has Bibles for you. Uh, as a local community, what we usually do is we'll go through a uh, passage of the scripture, and actually, um, we're in the book of Exodus. We want to encourage you a couple things. Make sure you are reading chapter 17 and 18, and that you're ready to rock for next week, all right? Um, this week, I, they're giving me an opportunity, and they wanted to kind of walk me back slowly in, and say, well, this week, Pastor, we think you should just give a reflection, because it'd be kind of bizarre for you to just get right up, don't share anything about what y'all did for the last four months, and just jump right into Exodus 17. And so, I thought that was cool. So, I'm, I'm, so if you guys, thank you for giving me the grace to take this moment just to share a little bit about our time away. Um, but also, it was kind of funny, because I had another member, I love our body, he was like, I said, he said, so you, you, you teach them all, right? I was like, yeah, well, well kind of, I'm not going through Exodus, I'm going to be sharing some reflections, they wanted me to ease my way back into it. He was like, well, it's not like you tore your ACL. <laughs> so uh, I think that's awesome. So I love the honesty of our body. And I said, well, I guess, you, I guess you're right. I didn't tear my ACL. <laughs> I think it was his gracious way of saying, man, you better start preaching. So, um, so just for my, my boy, who knows who he is, a dear friend, this is the last week. We're taking the training wheels off, and I'll be riding the bike next week. Okay, guys? So um, that was pretty, pretty crazy. Hey, uh, before, we, before we continue on and I start talking about my reflections, I want to do a few things. Uh, first and foremost, um, I wanted to uh, thank you guys, the people of God, uh, for giving my family uh, those months to be away and, and, and sincerely and seeing you guys gather together and all the things that we were able to see on Facebook and, and how you guys held it down in the community. And it's just cool. Um, just in the flesh, you know, I mean, obviously we all do this, right? You have that God is filling you with the spirit and you're, you're operating, you're trying to live life of faith and godliness and then flesh takes in. So it's just that continual battle. So obviously I was excited uh, that you didn't need me, but I was sad that you didn't need me, you know? Um, so in a kingdom way, I was like, praise the Lord. I mean, this body, I love the fact that uh, Mac Avenue Community Church, by God's grace, um, as it was planted by, uh, by our pastoral team, I love that it's not about uh, an Eric vision anymore or anything like that. I love that this is kingdom, gospel-centered people who are about the mission of Christ. And that's really, uh, that's really the goal, right? 
So, so thank you for, for giving our family this time away. It was awesome. I also want to thank the elders uh, for seeing it fit to protect uh, me and to scare the, the body, to not even say hi to us when they walk past our house, which was kind of bizarre, I think, for everybody for a while. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. Our kids would be in the window, and they're like, Dad, Dad, there's the burgers. Or Dad, Dad. And they would mention one of you awesome people, praise God. And, and you guys are kind of like, you know, just... <laughs> And the kids are like, like, hey, hey, you know, and you're like, you know, just keep walking that dog, baby. That's the, and so, so that's a big joke with these burgers because they religiously were trying to be faithful to the Lord. And like, did we say hi to him? And yeah, and I remember I saw, I saw Charles early once and, um, and, and I, I went up to the soccer, soccer thing real quick and he saw me and I was talking to some, uh, the mission group and he walked up to me and he was like, can I talk to you? Like, should I hug you? I mean, <laughs> what, what, like, what is this? And so I just appreciate you guys really trying to protect our time. It's really kind of you. Uh, our leaders um, been, being awesome. I also want to thank you. I know if the guys are listening on, on our, on our uh, website, um, our guest speakers and there's people who are uh, blessing us like that. We just have some great friends um, throughout the city who love our local body, who care for us well. So it is very appreciative of you guys. And then I wanted to uh, save um, two, the two. Obviously, you guys very well know who they are. Uh, first and foremost, my dear sister Jenny, uh, just holding it down. And um, she's just been a get Please. I just, I absolutely adore her. She's a wonderful sister. And she's just added, I'm telling you, like, um, the kind of value you can't even really quantify uh, to um, your, our local body as one of your leaders. And just um, absolutely uh, fun to work with and uh, just super faithful. And the sad reality is, you know what, we as Christians, I think we're trying to rec- recapture, I think, a more redemptive rep. Because uh, to be honest, we have kind of a bad rep historically uh, in the workplace. We can kind of be sadly kind of lazy. We have this weird view of grace, especially in Christian ministries. We kind of feel like, well, I'm a Christian, so don't hold me accountable to anything. If I do something wrong, don't really make, you know, just hug me and tell me that God's a gospel, God's a God of grace, and, and that's kind of cool. And we can have a really bad rap of not being total quality, excellent, on time, faithful, courageous, right, working hard, right? We, we can have a bad rep, and I'm guilty of that, um, especially in Christian ministries. And I just, I just love of how Jenny actually debunks that. And she works hard. And I tell you, her testimony of how hard she works, um, I think, is a, is a testament to who God is, Colossians 3.23. And I think you are, are recapturing what I propose is a more of a more redemptive expression of what does it mean to be a Christian who works and understands a healthy theology of work. Right? You work hard. So I really appreciate that about you. I uh, love you. Very thankful. And then my dog, your pastor, Leon. Um, yeah. I just... Um, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. Yeah, give him a lot of, I'll tell you, I just love this dude. And I tell you, he, um, it's funny because we have so much fun and I, I, you couldn't, the chemistry that the Lord has given us is so bizarre because I'm so weird and quirky. And he, I mean, he just, to see such a good leader be willing to celebrate my leadership uh, has been, it's, I'm always blown away by that because he's such a great leader. Uh, he's, he's super kind. You talk about courage. That's his, his mode of operation. And uh, super faithful brother. Uh, and, and I love, like, if I get, get him a task or an opportunity, he just, he just takes steps of faith. Even when he knows it's not his, his cup of pudding. He's like, okay, I'm, hey, the Lord asked me to do this. I'm going to try to, I'm going to go for it, you know. And I just um, absolutely adore you, man. I, I love that our friendship and the reality of how close we are is no hustle. You know what I'm saying? We ain't trying to fake y'all out, like, so we need to be act like we nice to each other so y'all can think we not. But, like, I love that we really like each other. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and uh, yeah, just, um, I'm just blown away that I get to do ministry, and I get to have the best hours of my day as I work, as it were, to serve you guys with, with a guy like this. I get to work next, next side this team weekly, uh, which is, um, yeah, I just feel like I'm, I'm cheating the system or something, you know? So... So I'm just very thankful for your leadership of him just holding it down, uh, really protecting me from any of the issues throughout the months, and, and just being a great friend, a great leader of our local body. And uh, I just want to one more time give this brother a hand for, for being a great friend and pastor. 
Love that dude. So love Leon, love Rebecca and the crew. Very thankful. Um, with that said, I want to just, if it's okay, just take this time and kind of, it's kind of indulgent, but I don't want it to be. I always want to make sure, even in our indulgence, that I can be exalting Christ by what he has done in and through us. And so I uh, just want to share a few things, and then we're going to pray and go home. So uh, sabbatical reflections, this is a time we're going to talk about a little bit about what the Lord was kind of teaching me uh, and our family. Um, and then just remember, we're back in the game for Exodus. Make sure you're inviters and just do our thing, and I'll be exhorting you and making you feel really like, oh, my goodness, what's wrong with me very soon, okay? So uh, this week, take it, take it for, you know, a little respite, okay? Um, when, you think of, when you think of sabbatical, I think one thing that the Lord has been showing me, even the framework of sabbatical, the, the concept of, of to cease or desist, or, or I'm sorry, or cease or desist in a sense, um, it's a way of, of basically the, the framework is you stopping uh, ordinary work. That, that's what the concept is from basically, um, it was a day from, from Friday evening to Saturday evening uh, during Jesus' time. And, and as a person who can, I think I have the fleshly nature of being a workaholic, right? And in fact, uh, you know, I can almost find myself being, um, dis- not disrespectful, that's not fair, but um, of, of being defensive towards Sabbatarians, people who say, hey, you need to take a Sabbath, um, you know, every week. Uh, and they're not saying it as an area that is it's a model of grace. I hope not, because we all know that the Sabbath has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, but I would get uh, offended uh, by that. Um, but I realize that man, God has, I think, used this time to do a work in me about understanding the Sabbath. So just think about this as I share this a little bit. You know, the, the scriptures in itself talks about the Sabbath framework um, basically as, a, as an opportunity to actually serve Jesus, right, to serve God himself. And what, and what the Sabbath is supposed to be doing, in essence, is teaching you and me, whenever we even come here weekly, uh, two truths, right? It's supposed to be teaching us a truth about creation and a truth about redemption, that's every time we, we come as a people of God, right? You think of the concept of, of creation in Genesis 2 uh, when, G, you know, the Lord makes everything. And then he, at the end, he says, you know, he saw it was, he saw it was very good. And then he, it says he, he deceased, as it were. He, he rested um, in creation after six days. And then he blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, right? Um, and then we see that same, it's very interesting. So we see at first, okay, so God is showing us that it reminds us of what he's done in creation and how we were to be like God in creation. But it's interesting that he takes that same story, that same pericope, and then in De- Deuteronomy chapter 5, um, he attaches it to the observance in a different way. He attaches it to the redemption piece, right? He says, basically, you shall remember uh, in verse 15, you can write the address down. You can read verses 12 through 15 in chapter 5. He says, you shall remember that you were a servant in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out thence with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. So that's kind of the, the framework behind the whole concept of Sabbath. So it was like, you're changing the game. But no, he's not. He's helping us understand holistically what it means, right? Is that it's to remind you and me of creation that God created everything, and then if God himself created everything and rested, perhaps you and I should see that rhythm. And then he takes it on in Deuteronomy, and he shows us, hey, and also I delivered you out of Egypt. This is, this is the work I've done, and therefore I, what I want you to do is remember that when you're taking this as we're Sabbath rest. And then we see it, actually, I would even say even more profound, even more fulfilled, even when you think of redemption, as it were, at a higher level, Jesus himself, right? You see the work he's doing, praise God, on the cross for you and me, paying for our sins, right? And then you see as he dies on the cross, he says, it is finished, right? Almost, I would propose to you pointing back to that whole framework of God announcing or declaration him, declarating his, his finished work, even in creation. Hey, I was finished working. Jesus says, he was finished working there, but now I'm finished with what I've done. And then we see the Sabbath, right, after the cross, the Sabbath, he rests. And then we see new creation. We see new day. We see new life. Day eight, the resurrection. So you see, he tells that story again. Even creation, redemption, big redemption, even our life. And so I want to propose to you, God has convicted my heart that, man, when I think of Sabbath, it's bigger than, oh, I don't get to do, I don't have to do work. But God is trying to retell his story of what he's done in you and me and what he's done in creation. Praise the Lord. So, so with that said, um, I love the fact that even in that, 
you know, God has, when he died and rose from the dead, he allowed us now to experience the Sabbath rest in Christ. And so what's really cool now is the, the, the work he's telling us to, to cease from is that, that work of trying to, you know, gain approval of God and, and the things that we're doing. And so, as it were, the, the, the work that we do now is the work of faith, right? <laughs> That's the work. We, we, we rest in faith. So the work we do is we, we, our work is we trust God. And then we trust that he has worked for us so that we can rest in that work of faith that we have. Um, which is a beautiful thing. But you see that theologically, our study of God, but then you also see the reality that even in that we see that it's important to rest because he gives rhythms. Even with that whole thing being real, what we just talked about, I love that he gives these rhythms even in the Old Testament to, to, to remind the people of God of these things so that when Jesus does come and do this, it'll make it all the more profound and better that Jesus is accomplishing these things. We see, uh, I think, a couple rhythms. What are the, some of the rhythms that we see? We see every seventh day he asks them to rest, right? He asks them to rest every seventh year and every 50th year. So there's these different rhythms that he puts in place to show you and me the importance of resting. If you need to look, the address there is Leviticus chapter 23, um, and also Leviticus chapter 25. Just, just, it's just awesome to see what God is trying to teach us. Not only is it important practically, but man, just thinking and understanding of who God is and what he's doing in creation, it's important to recapture and, and spend time pausing so that we can contemplate that reality. So for me, it was a time of, of as, it, as it were, repentance and and just asking God to do a, a great work in my life of like, Lord, I am a workaholic. Help me understand that me resting allows me to, it's almost one of those beautiful things where God is like, hey, I said it. It's like even fasting. And as it were, you're probably disobedient not to do it, but you still can be saved, <laughs> right? But I want to propose to you practically the sad thing for us not to experience that rhythm at some level, God is saying is that you're kind of debunking, you're kind of short-circuiting what God wants to holistically do in your life. Because you're missing a very important narrative of what God did in creation and redemption. So obviously, to the, you can tell it was kind of convicting for me as a, as a workaholic. So if you're a workaholic in the house, my prayer is that God would minister to you as he has with me and, um, and my family. Um, so that's more the theological underpinnings behind what God was doing during our, our four months uh, together. Um, what, so in, in essence, what I did realize is that, man, work is good, but so is rest, in a nutshell. That's, uh, <laughs> I think, what I, what I realized in the Lord. Uh, it allowed me to, to, um, to walk with the Lord and enjoy my, my wife and kids. And um, in the way I'm wired, I don't, it, the way, you know, we, me and Sarah were just talking about this. Like, we kind of walk in faith, and we don't... It, we, we kind of don't, it's not that we don't look for God, but we kind of, we kind of want to be available to God's revelation. Because I think one of the dangers of looking for God is if you find, if, if you find certain supernatural things or anything that happens, I think you want to be very careful how to determine it's from the Lord or not. And so for us, we were living a life of faith. You know, people are like, so what you do? How'd you learn on the Sabbath? We're like, well, we don't know. We, did, we know we rested. We know we had a good time fishing. You know what I'm saying? So we're not as poetic, sorry, but, but we, we, we're just kind of like, hey, we walk with the Lord. We're seeking God, and as he reveals things to us, we're starting to go, oh, here's one thing the Lord taught us. So one thing was the Sabbath. The other thing, um, and this is to my, my dear sister. Um, actually, let me save that part. Let me just go through each one. My personal health. Uh, Sarah has uh, been doing a lot of running, uh, we're working out, we were hiking like crazy. We went to Tennessee for a month, just to let you guys know, we we're in the foothills of Tennessee. We rented a cabin, thanks to Sarah, uh, for a month in Tennessee. And in three weeks, my sweet wife had all of, five of, all of our kids, five kids and me, hike over 50 miles. The woman is awesome and crazy. So we had a great time. Saw some bears, mama clubs, some uh, mama and some, some cubs. It was awesome. Uh, marriage, um, it was just fun. Uh, Sarah is a wonderful wife. I, man, I'm just like, how do I explain to you guys? I just, the men in the room, just, just, just marry, make sure you marry a woman who's as passionate for Jesus. And, and you see her like responding to God's word. I personally, again, she's my wife. So again, I'm biased, but she's probably the most balanced person I know. Um, I'm just amazed at how she's so kind and compassionate and fun and, and, and at the same time, she's so deep and in the word, um, and yet she's, 
She's, she's, she's like courageous to, t- to call out sin, but yet she, she understands when she, there needs to be grace. And I'm just blown away. At, and you guys see her. She's the most even kill woman I know. And I, I'm just like, man, I can't believe she's my wife. And I love you so much. She's been a wonderful, wonderful helpmate. And so we spend a lot of time asking a lot of honest questions, which I'll get to in a moment. Um, family time was just a joy. We fished, we hiked, we did a lot of fun things. Um, when I think of, of the future, we actually, uh, this, was, this was an interesting thing for us, was uh, <laughs> my dog. Um, uh, this was an interesting thing for us. Uh, during, you know, I think the Lord allowed the, the, the sabbatical uh, to give me a lot of grace and in particular to ask hard questions. I think we've been scared for a while to ask questions about, you know, like if God wants us to be here, you know, continually. Uh, because we felt like to even ask the question almost like opens the door a little bit. Um, and in doing that, uh, it showed uh, it showed Sarah and I, I think that there was some, uh, and this is where I get to what my sweet, uh, my, my dear friend Betty said to me years ago. You know, we had uh, a, lot of, a lot of falling out in the church and a lot of drama happened. And it was uh, an extremely, um, probably the most difficult time for Sarah and I. Uh, and emotionally and as a, and as a, as individuals in Christ and, and, and Betty one day said to me, you know, that time, uh, really knocked you on your bottom. Um, and I remember back then going, ah, no, I didn't, you know, and, um, and I, and I looked back and I realized it really did. And that God, uh, was showing me, he was, he was, he was almost taking Sarah and I through, um, and I, a time where he was teaching us that, man, you had this church and relationships almost in an idle fashion. You had it kind of lifted up, maybe a little bit inappropriate. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, the very thing that we had, we, we, we were passionate about having redemptive community and close-knit groups and everybody knowing each other's stuff and, and all, you know, and, and just all the, the stuff that, 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 by God's grace, the culture that we, by God's grace, we all have together, have, have signed up on and created you know, this was like, hey, we have all this, and then we're going to, this is, this is God's kingdom in this time and in this place, and it's going to be awesome. And we're all going to love each other, and, you know, we're all going to have each other's back, and, and we're going to be, you know, preaching the gospel and all this. And, and I think when and we almost put, I think it seemed we put our hope um, in what we were creating a little bit. Because when, when that very thing that was created, as it were, you know, what had brokenness and, and affected us, we were just kind of like, whoa, no, it's supposed to be like, this is supposed to bring the, you know, the expression of the kingdom. And for Sarah and I, um, it, was a, it was a good time to be away and almost lament that. And, and, and for God to redemptively help us reassess and understand, like, what, what, is it, what is a more appropriate expression look like to be a pastor and a pastoral family that leads a local body but doesn't exalt a local body. Um, and so it's been a really good time for Sarah and I to um, almost recalibrate what that looks like practically for us uh, to live in longevity. And, and this, is not, this is not despondent. This is actually to give hope because for us, it wasn't like what was cool about that. We were asking that question now, and we were free to ask that question. I think that was part of the, the way that God was showing us some of the healing. That, that we were willing to say, it's not ours, yours, Lord, it's yours. And what do you want to do? And if you want us to go somewhere else, we're willing to do that now. And if you want us to be here, we're willing to do that, but it'll be on your terms. And so praise God, we're here and we're excited to keep going, hopefully with a more redemptive composure uh, as we continue to fight the fight of faith. Um, hope that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so as we we're traveling Again, just my, our, our sharing. As we were traveling, so that piece was one. But as we were traveling, we, we saw uh, many different services. Uh, and what I mean is like um, uh, church services. And it made me uh, realize, like, man, you know, we, we saw a lot of cool things. Uh, but we also, it really affirmed us in how we do what we do here at Mac Avenue Community Church. I think, I think selfishly, that was probably one of the biggest joys of, of being away is going Oh man, we're not as crazy as y'all. That was really cool. You know, I know, right? That doesn't seem godly, but I, I think it is. I was excited. 
and, and praising God for his redemptive work uh, in our local body. Uh, it was, it was, it's not a commentary on other places, but it was more a commentary on like how God is allowing us. We don't have it all together by a long shot, but, I, but what I do notice is that we as a local body are continually assessing uh, what we're doing, and we're asking ourselves, man, so what, what will we say this is close to Jesus' heart and expression of the biblical model, and that we're willing by God's grace to keep changing and figuring out what we need to do to make sure that we can mirror Christ even more. And so that, that's been really exciting. But with that said, um, I wanted to, I felt like, man, I think other than when we first got here and I was preaching and, and trying to ca- ca- uh, uh, galvanize what we're about and who we are, I don't think we've ever expressed why we do local church service the way we do. I don't think we've ever gone through and said, hey, just want to let you know, and also the unbeliever, the person in the room here, uh, here's why we do service the way we do here, which hopefully will, ac- will accent more joy in your heart and more worship to God, and just have you be more informed on what we are and who we are in this local body, specifically as, it's, as we're talking about Sunday service, uh, so that you can bring uh, Christ honor. So what I wanted to do, if that's okay, I wanted to talk about that. I want to share why we do service the way we do, Okay. And I wanted to share uh, these 10 things, and then we'll, then we'll pray, and we'll head home, and hopefully you'll be uh, super encouraged. Um, so the normal, play, the normal way people do service, right, is, is, you know, 20 minutes of singing or whatever, and announcements, uh, tithe, maybe somewhere in there, uh, maybe a small prayer time or so, um, and then 30 minutes of teaching. You can do that good or bad um, for sure. Uh, what I want to do is I want to talk ba- uh, first big picture, almost the ground rules behind how we do service, and then talk specifically about what we do during our local service. And I'm not talking about how we do church, right? Because we would say we, we as the people of God feel like that. You, we are being the people of God all week. And then we have our discipleship pamphlets out back. We have all the information of how it looks like, what it looks like for us to be kingdom people. That's there. But just specifically when we're here on Sunday, uh, what, why are we doing this? And, and hopefully you, you would see this as um, a uh, importance of being holy and reverent, and that those things will come through um, as we talk. Uh, first ground rule is all of life is worship. Okay, so that's a ground rule. As we as we formed this local body and said, man, for two, almost two years, over a year, we weren't doing service. We were just preaching the gospel, and I didn't want to do serve, a local uh, Sunday service. And then all the group came together and literally said, Pastor, we need to get together as the people of God. We're going crazy. We're on these isolated islands sharing our faith, preaching the gospel. We don't see each other. And I was like, oh, y'all need to toughen up. We need to keep preaching the gospel. And they were like, please, give us a service, you know, and then. And I mean, basically, and then I, and then I started praying and <laughs> going through the scriptures and realized I was an error, that I was an error to, to neglect the meeting together of the saints. And, uh, and so then I repented and we uh, started uh, Sunday service. So all of life is worship. Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about that as far as an address if you need it. A beautiful story of worship is in the beginning of Job where Job uh, is getting, you know, he's getting beat down by Satan. And, and it says in there that he worshiped God. And, and when you, when you, when you kind of expose it or take apart those passages, what you realize is worship is not just song singing. But worship is responding to God all the time based on who he is and what he's done. Right? So, so all of life is about responding to God and, and being the people of God uh, for his honor and glory. Mikey. All of life should be worshiped to God. Yeah. Now, I would say everybody worships something all the time. So we're always worshiping something. And so what God wants to do is he wants your, as it, your religious affection for your, for your worship that he knows is happening. And that's why he can be a jealous God and not be ungodly, right? Because actually that worship belongs to him. And he's saying, so what I want to do is I take enemies and make them my friend. And I, re, I help them rethink and I change their hearts. And I say, no, actually, you are worshiping that. You actually should be worshiping me. And so all of life should be worshiped to God. But because of the brokenness in our own sin and our own evil, it's not. And then God, what he does, he rebirths us and makes us new to worship him. So in the context of, as we're talking about Sunday service, the assumption, the ground rule is all worship as we are here is for God, right? Um, that we gather on the Lord's Day, we're a voice with all the other churches in the world. We're shouting out that God is the King, Jesus is the Lord. That's what we're doing. Not just here, but we're, we're gathering with the saints of all over the world. That's what we're doing in one clarion call. 
Um, the other, yeah, so the other thing, so that all of life um, is worship. And, and the other thing is that, and this is interesting, I think this is more contextualized, and let me just parse this out briefly, is that Sunday service is, is a very important thing, but it's not the only important thing. So that's the ground rule here. Now, that's very important, especially in a cultural context, both in no, no matter what church, white, black church, we are very multicultural. We're socioeconomically diverse. We're racially diverse. And so some of you guys, it doesn't make much sense, but some of you, you're like, I get that. I'm glad he brought that up. Here's why I bring that up. Because we don't spend all of our time as a staff team, as a pastoral team, and even try to motivate you as our church leaders to pull off Sunday service. The reason why we don't do that is because we don't see Sunday service as being the only important thing. And so there, now here's the thing. You can have, and you can have some frameworks where you wouldn't realize that the pastoral team assumes that Sunday is the most important thing because they're saying, we, you know, we're going to have some peripheral things for you during the week, but we want you to give four hours of practice to this and five hours to this. And, that, and, that's, and that's some people's missiology, right? Their understanding of how mission happens. We're saying we, it's very important. So we spend some time figuring out how to make sure that when people come in here, they're experiencing and understanding who God is and that you're leaving encouraging the Lord and spurred on toward mission and vision in Christ. But to be clear, we don't spend a lot of our time focused on Sunday service because we want to equip you to be the people of God every day, all week. Now that's important, Okay. Because then you, because you might be thinking, well, we're all the bells and whistles. You know, why we don't have, where, where's the 18 people? Where's all the stuff? Where's the, right? And that's just not our flow. Now, God can raise that up. But even if there's 18 people, they wouldn't practice six hours a day. I wouldn't, we wouldn't let them, not under my watch, right? Because, hey, guess what? You need to be on mission. You need to be reading the Bible. You need to be discipling people. You need to be sharing your faith. That's what God wants us to be about. And so we can't do all those rhythms and also pull off a conference, as it were, and, be, and call it a service, right? That's not what we're doing. So, you, so, it'll, so, so MacGav, it's not an excuse. We want to still be quality. And the cool thing, I'm blown away at what these individuals do with, they practice, I think, right before a service. That's crazy. I mean, that's God's grace. Were you, were you, were you, did, did God touch your religious affections today when you were singing the Lord, to the Lord? That was, a, that was an hour and a half before service. Now, here's the thing, not an excuse, but I'm trying to help you understand our, our framework of understanding who God is. So that when, so it always is going to be a little quirky up in here. All, I think it all, you know, for, for years I thought, no, we're going to perfect this thing. You know, the first three years we're going to perfect it. You know, now we're in year, year nine. I'm like, this is who we are. You know what I'm saying? The mic, don't, the mic just going to go out sometime. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there just won't be no tissue up here sometimes. You know, my, you know I mean, it's, it's going to be quirky because we really value, we, we, we really value authenticity. And we really, we really believe, we really believe that this is important, but not the only important thing. We really believe that God wants us. He says, I, didn't, I did not make you just to come see people. I made you a go tell people. So as your team, we are, we, I feel there's a biblical mandate, there's a fiduciary duty, as it were, as a pastor, to equip you to be a go-tell people. You follow me? So those are the ground rules, all right? So when we, when we thought about how to do service then, we said, okay, we can't put all, and, we, and you, it's a conscious decision. We talk, are we gonna, how, many, how many eggs are we going to put in this basket? How many eggs? Because the pressure's on. You go to other places, like, man, well, that was kind of cool, though, bro. You sure want to put two more eggs in that basket? But we continue to resolve, and I cry out to you as our family and as our leadership to understand why we do what we do so that now you have that peace and know, hey, I know what we're about. I understand the flow now. All right? So uh, all of life is worship. And, you know, we, we want to make much of Christ. Man, Sunday's important, but it's not the most impo- only important thing. So with that said, here are, here are ten, the 10 deals. Every time we step in here, what we're trying to accomplish, what we're trusting the Lord for is first and foremost, God-glorifying worship, right? That now, that this time, it's a holy moment. It's a special moment. Maybe, maybe we're not doing the best job as your leaders in trying, to figure, in, in trying to figure out how to usher that culture in. But, guys, I'm telling you, I'm going to be committed by God's grace. We want you to come in here, and we want you to sense that, man, God, God's here. 
And guess what? If God's here and worship is responding to him based on who he is and what he's done, and this is all about him being our main audience, he is your audience, then think about that when you're trying to sing and have a bag on your mouth. Think about that, right? If I ask my kids' attention and they come walking up to me, what that? I'd be like, hold on, bruh. I'm daddy. I asked you to come in. I got to ask you something. Boy, you better look at me. Show me some respect, right? And I'm a sinful nutball. How much the God, the perfect Lord of the universe, who says all people gather in my name and sing loud to me and magnify the name of the Lord. Magnify meaning what? Don't, what do we do all week? We magnify. We take the magnifying glass and we put it on our problems and we make our problems bigger than what they are. And oh Lord, look at my problems. God says, stop that madness. Magnify the Lord. Put the magnifying glass on me. See, God is big. If you see God is big, it changes everything that you're doing. Your posture has to change. It's, that's not an emotional thing. I don't care if you're Pentecostal. If we're, we're reformed here, you got to get outside that stuff. All that stuff doesn't matter when you're standing before a holy God who saved you from sin. Your posture has to change. So we're saying, when you walk up in here, we're saying, man, we want this to be God glorified. And we're bragging about Jesus. Honor and attention is what the word worship, right? Glor- I'm sorry, glorify means honor and attention. That he gets your honor and he gets your attention. It goes to him. God glorifying. He's the most important person at every service. He's the one we're here for. So we can have fun. I laugh at the best of y'all. Y'all know I'm goofy. We do all that stuff. But guys, we have to recenter. Why? Because not only is he doing the redemptive work in us, something spiritually is happen here, happening here. But also there's people who are coming and they don't know about the good God we serve. And so they, they get to see, oh man, y'all believe this stuff. Look at y'all. Right? We want this service to be Holy Spirit led. Right? And so God tells us in John 16, he says, hey, man, the Holy Spirit, he doesn't come and do his own thing. Everything he's doing is to bring me honor and attention. He glorifies the, he glorifies the son. That's what he does. So we're saying we don't come in here in our own strength trying to pull off spiritual things. Right? That's, that's, that's John 3. It's Jesus saying, hey, well, you know, you can, you know people can't produce spirit. That's what he's saying to Nicodemus. Was man is man, was God is God. Only, only God can produce spirit. So we're not asking, we're not coming in here with the audacity and the naive, naivete to come in here thinking because we have a degree from Gordon Conwell and we've read some commentaries and we've done some studying that we can just come in here and fool everybody, right, with a bunch of information. No, 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 no. We want you to have a spiritual encounter with the holy God. Please understand that. Don't get it twisted. We don't think our, the way we articulate the gospel and all these things is what matters. We believe. We, we're saying, Lord. That's why, they, that's why we pray right there in the beginning. That's why these guys who are singing, they're saying, Lord, Megan has a beautiful voice, but if she filled the spirit, it's just a clanging gong. So we're saying, Holy Spirit led. But guess what? Not just the leadership. We're asking you to come in and say, Lord, as we said again, man, there's a new day. There's hope, right? We had the cross, and now we're in that day of rest. Lord, cleanse me and allow me to experience that resurrected day, right? Holy Spirit led. It's all of our responsibility to come before the Lord. We're asking you, and you know how that is. Every morning, y'all, the Satan be using weird things to get you off, get you all weird before you get up in here. You're arguing for, about eggs and stuff, you know? You're late or something frustrating you. You ever seen that? It always happened, right? Right before. Why do you think that happened right before service? Because they want to get you off. Get you thinking about stupid stuff. You, now you, can, you ain't been thinking about that bill all week. All of a sudden you're thinking about the light bill. Now you're all caught up in what you got to do Monday. But Monday, God is here. Right? So just remember that spirit-led, guys. Also, God-glorifying, Holy Spirit-led, biblical. We are praying that we would be biblical, right? And you guys know, this is our, we, the whole service, you know, teaches God people. I tell people, you model Bible study methods, whatever you do. And that's why we're so serious about training our leadership. Is that no, bro, I'm telling you, when you're, when you're at Max Soccer, when you're at these places, you're modeling how you study the Bible. The way you talk about Jesus models Bible study methods, by the way. People are learning how to study the Bible based on how you talk about Christ. 
And so even in here, we understand everything we're doing, the songs we are singing, what I'm saying up here, the prayer time, all of this stuff right here models, oh, that's what they think about the Bible. Oh, that's how they, that's how they take the Bible. That's what they do with the Bible. Do they take it out of context? Do they use it for their self-aggrandizement? Or do they use it to expose it so we can show, learn more about who God is? Right? It's the old saying. What's the old saying? It goes, hey, when you come to a service, you should see us reading the Bible, preaching the Bible, singing the Bible, and seeing the Bible in the sacraments. You should, this should just be all Bible. You should leave here going, man, I just learned about the God of the universe today. Um, it should be liturgical. Uh, means that you've that we've thought through the service, right? So our time, we this is this isn't we don't just I mean, guys. We contrary to popular opinion, we ain't just making this stuff up, right? We, we're connected to history, and we we want this to be liturgical, right? It means an order of service that every every church has a way and why they do things, right? In our service, just to let you know, we have four parts. Right, that we don't talk about, we probably never heard us say this, but this goes with our, I would say, our historical patriarchs and matriarchs. We have four parts why we have the issue of praise. So you'll see us singing out to God in, in song and worship. And then we have a, a time of, of preparation, as it were, renewal. So that's the singing, right? But also our prayer time. Guess what? The prayer time is a time, again, that's what I always tell you. It's not a time like, oh my goodness, look at all the problems in the world. Look at all the things that are going on. No, 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 no. It's saying, look at all the problems. Let me take them to a gracious, holy, and powerful for God, the only one who can actually solve them. That's what we're doing. We're getting you prepared. Get your heart right because I don't want you getting in the Word still thinking about this problem. You gave that to the Lord 20 minutes ago. Get your mind on the Word now. Let's, get, let's, let's remind ourselves of who God is. See, that's intentional, y'all. We can just make that up. No, we just like prayer first and second. No. We're thinking about what does it mean to prepare the people of God to be before the throne of God and to grow in God. Right? So you have a time of renewal and preparation where you're confessing sin, where you're, you're sharing, hey, I did this, and that's what I love about our body. You guys get in, you're doing these prayer cards, you're talking about issues in your life, you're sharing, praying about other people, and so you're preparing your heart, and then we sing more to prepare your heart more. And then praise God, I love that I don't have to be a sheriff with our, our, our praise and worship team, right? Because those guys, I love this, they understand the importance of the, of the, the scriptures that flow through the songs, Right? Right? We, I mean, I get it. I mean, I mean, sometimes be careful about Smile FM. I like Smile FM, right? But you want to make sure that, that the songs are super redemptive, right? And so liturgical. So you have praise, you have renewal and preparation, and then you have the proclamation, right? And I guess what? This time when we get up here, and, and by God's grace, you one of our leaders, and, we, and, and God gives you the mic to share the word and to teach, and whenever I teach, man, you should understand that's a serious deal. It's serious. You are not proclaiming the oracles of God to the people of God. And so what we've done, we've prepared, we want to prepare your hearts to say, receive the word of God, right? And then finally, response. That you have a responsibility after all that. God preparing your heart, revealing your heart. You're trusting your heart to Christ. And then you're renewing your heart and you're informing your heart with the holy word. And now you don't just leave more smart. You don't leave her smarter. But you leave her going, man, so, man, Satan, you tried to trick me. So glad I went to the people of God and the house of God, got, got God's truth, renewed my mind, ethologized my life. I'm walking up out of here. Now I'm preaching gospel. I'm preaching God's truth. I'm living God's truth. That's what it should be like. Respond. Respond to what God is saying, right? And the only reason I'm jumping around and I'm crazy, my bo- the body gets that, but if you're new here, I'm not weird and stuff. The thing is, the, 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 the thing that we, we, we pray for for my own life and for all of you is that we'll be growing in God's grace. Right? We'll be constantly, that you won't just be the same cat here two years ago still. That's one of the things that grieve me as a leader is when I see a, a, a beloved one and I talk with them and they still just in the same stuff. Two years. And I'm like, come on, man. It's growing God's grace together. So liturgical and in prayer centered. So you have God glorifying, Holy Spirit led, biblical, so bibliocentricity, right? Bibliocentric, liturgical, and then prayer centered, which obviously you get. That's why we do our time of prayer. I mean, people are like, man, well, why, why is it so long? I praise God that this body loves it. 
I praise God that God has built a culture where we want to be a praying body. And we're trying to look for more opportunities for prayer. We're trying to look for outlets. I can't wait till we get some of our building stuff tight, which we'll talk about in a moment. Because I want, I want some of our leaders to help lead us into the framework of God in prayer. And, you know, you know, I looked over at Colette and different individuals that I know who really just the Lord has blessed them in certain ways. I want us to have those, those spaces where we're just praying and we're modeling that, man, we really trust God. We believe God is all in all. So prayer-centered, right? Prayer-centered is found in confession, right? Because we need God's mercy and experience of redemption. We pray for, for our, our body. We pray for the world. We pray for leaders, you see? That's why we do that, right? Because right, we want to, man, we not, it's not just about us, man. We've got people all over the world preaching the gospel, and they need prayer, just like we need prayer. So we're praying for all of our crew, right? Expositional preaching. So you have prayer-centered and expositional preaching. Uh, it's a central act I propose of worship. Right? Is that, was that, is that, when you think of the service, the proclamation of, of God's word, that it should be spirit filled and exposition. That's why we do exposition, right? I mean, it's not just, I don't, I don't, I don't we, do, we, can, we do topical here and there, but the reason why we do exposition is because we want to explain what's happening in the Bible based on the century and the time and place and when it happened, and then draw that and help us understand that explanation, and then use that interpretation to help have more of a biblical application into our life today. And so that's why we go through books of the Bible, right? And praise God again, you guys have been great, but that's why we're going through Exodus right now. And that's why we're going to keep going through books of the Bible. And I told you, before I go home to be with Jesus, I'm asking the Lord, would you allow me to get through the whole Bible with our body? Now, some of y'all went, oh my. Yeah, it's going to be a while. So be with me for those many years. Praise Jesus. Is it edifying? Expositional preaching and then edifying, right? At the end of the day, you know what we want you to know? The gospel really is good news. The gospel is good news. We want you to leave not feeling heavy. Oh, my goodness, right? Well, as it were, we want you, my, my, my sweet wife talked about the weight of glory. We want that, that beautiful heaviness. But we don't want you leaving heavy. We want you, you should leave hopeful. You should leave going, oh, yeah, Jesus reigns. What am I tripping for? Jesus is on the throne, right? So, so this, should, this time is supposed to build up the body of Christ, right? We should be equipped and comforted. And, yeah, it should be a powerful expression of God's grace to you. Experiencing um. Ex- as we talk about grace, um, the other one is experiencing the means of grace, right? Experiencing the means of grace. We would propose, this is why um, we do the Lord's Supper and baptism and things of that sort, where we would propose as a, as a people of God, this is a way he communes with us, that there's, there's, some, there's certain ways where God supernaturally does something redemptive in us that we can't really explain, but spiritually we see God moving and working and having his being, and by faith we realize this is what God is doing. And so we would propose that the, 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 the exposing of the word, when the word goes forth, God is doing something with that, and that God is doing something where he's given this extra measure of grace when we, when we remind the world and remind one another in this room that we believe God is a God who, whose body was broken and his blood was shed for our sins, right? And when we, when we experience the sacrament of baptism as well. And then finally, guys, um, in our particular context, we would say it shouldn't be in our particular context, but we make it intentional. And, and, and when I say it, you'll see what I'm saying. Celebrating the Trinity through unity and diversity. Now, here's the thing. You might go, well, what if there's only just, but, you know, I'm in Iowa, in the middle of Iowa, and it's just white folks. Well, I propose we should still be talking about celebrating the Trinity through unity and diversity. Whether you have the, you know, the revealed expression of that is another discussion. Now, by God's grace, and here, here it is, we're seeing God's grace, right? I mean, we're in an area that doesn't look like what our church looks like, right? And we're continually seeing God draw people, and we're continually becoming an eclectic body. And we are doing this not because we are more heightened on the social gospel. Absolutely not true. We're a biblocentric church. We are saying this because we would say when we look at Ephesians, we would say that basically one of the, one of the communicable, one of the, the, the divine character traits of Christ, when we see him saying, I die on the cross, he says, not us, he says he died to make people, people groups one. Okay, so we would say that that, that, that that reality of reminding people that everybody's created in Imago Day, that we should all be equipped and trained for that reality so that if you are not in a space where you can see that communicated clearly, that when God does provide that space, you're ready for it. Does that make sense? That you're ready for it. You're not going, oh my goodness, what just happened? Who was that? But you're like, oh no, I've been getting that. My pastor's been teaching me that, hey, God, God's God of everybody, and we need to love everybody. We need, we need to be, we need to understand who our other is and be prayerful. And so now when that God brings that other, you're like, hey. So 
and we would say that shows itself through people and music and time periods, and that's why we do, you, you see us talk, we, we sing hymns, then we do some gospel, we try to do some gospel, we try to do some contemporary. One of the things that we're going to bring into the, to the mix, um, some creeds. I want us to be um, reading some creeds every once in a while so that we can all have just a, com- just a compact understanding of some, some frameworks that we all believe. Right, and that helps us just to be that that, that clang that just that, that clarion call of the, all the patriarchs and matriarchs of the past who say, "Hey, man, we getting we getting persecuted. What do we believe? Let's make sure we all understand what's going on, so that when everything gets crazy, we can all say, "No, this is what we believe." And I want to we need to be saying that with one another even now here, right? We're not a traditional. We want to grab a part of history for the glory of Christ. Only I'm talking fast because I need we need to get going. So, finally, um, missional. Um, I say missional in the sense that our service, our service needs to be understandable, right? It needs to be contextual and covenantal. And what I mean by that is when people see a redemptive covenant being a redemptive covenant, I want to propose to you that's actually evangelistic. When people see, and see the people of God being the family of God, operating like the family of God, experiencing unity and diversity, lifting up Christ, serving each other sacrificially, exalting the Lord, when they see all of that, they go, this is so bizarre, what are y'all doing? What is this? How y'all just loving each other and caring for each other, praying for each other, having fun, laughing and stuff? What is this? And then God is exalted. And so missional, obviously, we are preaching the gospel. We want people to come in and experience Christ. But missional in the sense of us as being the family of God in the most redemptive fashion, in itself, it's a healthy missiology. In itself. And so we're very missional. So we try to think about the ways we're saying things, about how we're doing community, making sure our words make sense, things of that sort. Guys, I hope that makes sense a little more of why we do what we do. So every week when you come up in here, that's what we're trying to accomplish, those 10 things. We try to be very intentional toward that means. Digested family, um, my prayer is that you would, you would, you would hear those things. It would, it, my prayer is that it will make you more reverent. You would, God would work in your heart and you'll be a more reverent person, more holy, and wanting to enjoy the beauties and the grace of Christ. Remember next week, we're going to talk about Exodus. What I want to do, um, thanks for giving me your time. Um, I want to make sure that we can have a time of communion uh, as we uh, recognize again uh, Jesus' beautiful work on the cross and his work of redemption for all of us. Um, and then what we're going to do is we're going to do a tithe and offering, then communion, sing out, head home. Okay, think about what we just shared. Uh, if you need to, I hope you have the list. If you need it, let me know. I would love to get it to you. Thanks for having uh, us back. We are excited to be able to serve with you guys again.